Welcome to episode 177 of College Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. On today's episode, we discuss the fallout from the Northwestern football scandal, Georgia's huge recruiting class, upcoming SEC media days, and we take your ideas on what's not being talked about enough this offseason. You can find the show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com, Apple and Spotify. Join us during the season for the live recording of the show every Sunday night at 8 Eastern Time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. You can find clips from the show on at South Down South on Twitter, at Saturday Down South on Instagram and TikTok, and at Saturday Down South One on YouTube. And now here's the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of College Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, my co-host, my partner in crime, Chris Marler. Chris, did you see Larry Nasser was stabbed today? <laughs> <laughs> I, like, the first thing I thought of when I saw that was, God, I wish that was me, and then I hope they, like, I hope he's still alive so they can do it again, because that guy is a massive piece of shit. Yeah. You also left off one person or one thing that's here. And I have a very exciting announcement to make that led me to tears yesterday because of a lot of reasons, mainly because I'm emotional and dramatic. But Pepper, come here. So I got word yesterday, Bonnie has allowed Pepper to stay with me for the foreseeable future. And almost two years to the day that I lost chips and queso, I got a Corgi and there Pepper go. gets to stay with me in South Carolina. So I'm really excited about that. It was a really cool day. I, a lot of you reached out and said a lot of nice things. She's smiling over here. So that was really cool. Nice. Um, welcome to the fam, like Pep. What's that? So welcome to the fam, Pep. Yeah, she's excited. Um, we we didn't talk last week because the it was holiday. America's birthday. And I know that you don't celebrate it. Whoa. Um, but... Kind of a big week. In what regard? Outside of America's well, birthday, which I, was, I do celebrate. I, I celebrate I went viral like thoroughly. every day last week, and it was awesome. Um, That was pretty cool. My Gary Danielson tweet went off. I had It was like a very good week for me work-wise. I got my Phil Steele magazine today. Yes. That's a huge, huge plus. Look at this. Pumped about that. And, oh, you have a different one. You got Which one did you get? I, got, I got the one with... Uh, no, it's like the East Coast, I guess, because Penn State's on there. Yeah. But I just it just East had Jared Coast. Verse on there, so I got um, I got the national one. Kool Aid McKintree's on it. Cedric Van Pran, dude's got that dog in him down here, mm-hmm. the center. Um, I had I, it was it was I was pretty excited to get this, but also more exciting news and something we're going to talk about a lot when we start doing our preview show. Um, as someone that has bought these preseason magazines, I have some in the other room. Um. Dating back to like 1998. That's awesome. 1999. Like some very old preseason magazines. Uh, me and our good buddy Dog Sats, Josh Hancher, decided just to put together our own preseason magazine. So we have a very comprehensive and in-depth, um, like it should be, it'll be over 300 pages, 250 pages of all Power 5 teams of like PFF stats, returning production, um, just like a compilation of all those things. I don't know if compilation is the right word. That's incredible. Yeah. And so we just released the SEC one to people. 
Um, go to dogstats.com and purchase one today. Uh, we're giving away for like two ninety nine. It's like a seventy two page oh, wow. um, preview. It's really cool. So I was really proud about that, and that's pretty much it. Two ninety nine. That's basically free. Yeah, that's what I told Josh. But <laughs> after the stick debacle last year, I didn't feel like I could really, you know. Yeah. I also mailed off some fucking stickers. Oh, look at you. A year late, but I did it. So you guys, <laughs> some of you should be getting those in the mail. Yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> breaking news when we're recording this. Uh, Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald has been relieved of his duties as head coach at Northwestern University Football. Uh this was, I think Pete Thamel may have been first. He didn't credit credit anyone in his tweet, so I'm guessing it was him that broke the news. He's also saying that Not defensive her. coordinator David Braun is the acting coach. He came to Northwestern in January from North Dakota State, where he was the FCS coordinator of the year in 2021. So he was obviously not involved with some of these past things that have gone on. And if you haven't been paying attention in the news, what has gone on to lead to fat Fat, ooh, Fat Fitzgerald. We'll just call him that. Yeah. Uh, no, Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, there were allegations of hazing within the football program. Um, the decision to first initially suspend uh, Pat Fitzgerald without pay uh, was due to a player coming out, former player, saying there was uh, not only hazing, but sexual hazing that went on. Um but following more detailed allegations from two former uh, players about more sexual hazing, the university decided to terminate him tonight, which is July 10th. Um, there was an investigative report that was done independently that did not find sufficient evidence that the coaching staff was aware of the hazing. However, the president, Michael Schill, deemed that Pat Fitzgerald's lack of awareness of the behavior was enough to yeah. warrant his dismissal. So... Uh, a little bit about Fitzgerald before we talk about this. He was he's a Northwestern alumnus, one of the longest serving coaches in college football. Um, you know, he led Northwestern to three ten and three seasons and two appearances in the Big Ten championship game. Um, so on the field, obvi obviously he was well respected, and people thought he was a good yeah. coach. Um, now this comes out about some stuff off the field. Uh, so let's get into this. Yeah, are you watching the Home Run Derby? By the way, real quick. No, well, it's, I've got it on. Adley Rushman. Okay. It's just yeah, Oregon State grad. Um, them He's doing the just real quick. Them doing the whole like right off the bat, the exit velo and the degree, the angle is pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, love it. Horrible timing for this for me to bring that up, but yeah. Um, no. So back to the Northwestern stuff. This was. This triggered me for a lot of reasons, and I think it probably triggered a lot of people that read it. And I would try to, when I was reading it originally, what I tried to do was not immediately overreact because there's always more things that seem to unfold. Um, and what was weird about it was because we find out that he gets suspended for two weeks mm -hmm. amongst or amid uh, hazing allegations. Then you read the report of the hazing allegations from the player, and it's super, super concerning and weird. And and I, like usually if there's like something sexual in nature, I don't like to say weird because it's like everyone kind of has their own thing, whatever. As someone that was in locker rooms his entire life, all throughout college, 
I never, the fact that there was like the common denominator in all this was skin on skin contact and it all always involving something sexual in nature and or being naked is super weird. It's super weird. And that's not how you it's not normal behavior. No, it's not like, like for what you're trying to do. And I'm not, I'm not yeah. like, it's 2023. Did he just, did Adley Rush just switch to right-handed in the middle of this fucking home run derby? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not watching. <laughs> um, so like in, in anything, like I said, like in sexual nature, I don't like to use the word weird because it's like people have their own stuff and, and whatever. It's 2023. This isn't like that. And this is, very concerning because of the fact that like the more you read it and if you read some of the stuff from the actual excerpt about like what the player was saying they kept calling it running which mm-hmm. i was like why do they keep calling it running and i finally get it it's like a, obviously a code word for the fact is like if you're late for practice if you do this in practice like they're gonna run you you run stairs you're in conditioning whatever so that's why they kept calling it this and then then you keep reading and it's like it's celebrated so much that they would call it like runs giving runs miss freshman run week like whatever and it got more and more uncomfortable to read. But then my takeaway after I was done reading it was, man, like he's already been suspended for two weeks. And how did they settle on two weeks? And why was he given like the benefit of the doubt on this? Because then you start reading some more of the stuff that comes out. It was like, well, they have like pictures of, of like the locker room and you see on the board, runs giving or run like you know freshman running whatever with names mm-hmm. listed it in the middle of a locker room and there's no chance that the coach didn't have some sort of awareness of it and then you start seeing some of the stuff they were saying like he would he would say this in practice or this would be a good code for practice and they would do it and and it very much became like it, it to me at least pretty obvious that he had some sort of understanding it was happening yeah so apparently teammates would commonly identify players for running by clapping their hands above their heads around that right. player. Um, and allegedly uh, one player who kind of spoke to the school newspaper, which was the one who had all the details about this. Um, right. he, that player believed that m- most people interpreted that, you know, Fitzgerald was basically, he would do that and he would basically encourage, he'd be like, Hey, right. this guy right here needs to, you know do the run there was other weird shit too they called something a car wash where a player would stand at the entrance of the team shower forcing others entering the showers to rub against them on the way in right that's not okay and i'm not even saying it's not okay because it's like males it's just like that wouldn't be okay if it was a male and a female that's just weird to do it's and so and here's the other thing too and this is like i I wanted I, i tried to like tiptoe around like that stuff in the beginning, but the reason why this is not okay has nothing to do with like sexual orientation. It has everything to do with the fact that you have created a very unsafe environment for kids. And I was, I was talking about this the other day. Cause you had, you had like people, I think I saw of course on social media and, and stuff like that, that were kind of defending the fact that Pat Fitzgerald was a guy that has been there forever. And if you, if you do any of the background on Pat Fitzgerald, one of the things I learned about this was like the AD from, um, Northwestern, who gave him his long-term deal. And I don't have those numbers in front of me, whatever, whatever it even is. But the guy who gave him that deal is now the commissioner of the ACC. And that was kind of like his going away presence to Pat Fitzgerald, because he had done so much for that program, and the program is such good, you know, like such a good place. Because, I mean, he was on the 95 Northwestern team that went, I think, 11-1 and went to the Rose Bowl against Keyshawn Johnson, USC, Darnell Autry, great team, great story, all that kind of stuff. 
And, you know, he's had some big upsets. He's had his team in the SEC or in the, in the Big Ten Championship, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that kept coming up was people saying, like, this has it, like, something they would kind of put a feather in their cap. And I don't want to say beat their chest, but like a feather in their cap would be like, well, it's not just about winning. Like, we keep them around here because we are, you know, it, it has more to do with winning. And I think that's great. And I'm a fan. As a fan, I just want my team to win. But as somebody that if you're going to boast your or like beat your chest about, like, well, it means more than just winning here. What you're insinuating is there's other things that you're doing that are more important than that, like molding young men and having them come to you as like 17, 18 year old boys and leaving Northwestern, one of the best academic institutions in the entire country as a grown man who has learned how to be a man. Hopefully you've left him and he's left you in a better place than when you found it. And that's the goal everywhere, right? Like, so for this to happen and for you to say, basically, you're taking these 17, 18-year-old kids and you're putting them in an environment that you're just creating the culture that, that people who are too afraid to speak out, they then become, they, they then think that this is normal. And it's not normal. It's not okay. It's like, I think the word he kept using was barbaric. And that's exactly what it is, for one. But it, it, it pissed me off for so many reasons because it's like, you don't, you don't take some if, if you, like I'm not a parent, you're a parent. And I imagine if you're sending your kid off to school, especially they'll play division one football, the last thing you want to be worried about is his safety in that group. Not just on the field, I mean off the field in the locker room. And that's what you've created. And it's fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah. There's no there was no I mean I guess I don't know where they came up with the two weeks. I understand suspending yeah. him without pay until you figure out what's going on. But then when you start to have multiple players come out, a little more evidence comes out, you, your hands are basically tied. No matter how much you like the guy, there's too much evidence to state that, you know. Um, now, I'm sure they probably had to have interviewed him as well because you you can't fire someone based on, you know, allegations. So some, right. he must have come forward and said, like, okay, look, Either he realized he was, you know, it was too far gone at this point. You lose the locker room, the respect of the locker room. Right. Um, if he had it already, which, I mean, now I can maybe see why they, they went, you know, one in – or three and nine in 2021 and one in 11 in 2022. Maybe they didn't have the locker room. Maybe because some weird shit was going down. And he uh, sometimes orchestrated it. So, it's all allegations at this point, but he has been fired. That's not an allegation. Right. So, um I really feel bad for obviously all the players and, you know, yeah. like take this new DC that they have that I guess is now the head coach. So good for him. Nice little parlay there. But, um, ah, it's just like, yeah, you came in in January, you moved your whole family to Chicago to take part, you know, in this program. And, and then, you know, seven months later, the guys canned and you're left with yeah. a, sh a shattered locker room. I mean, feel, feel for the players, feel for the, the coaches that weren't on staff when this was going on. And, um, you know, it's not as if Northwestern was set for a great, you know, year on the field, but this is just going to make it worse. No. So here's, I, I feel like I've said enough nice things and like dance around any sort of like aggressive takes on this. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, you've done a great job. Are yeah, you about I'm gonna to take that? that leash off? Oh, I'm going to take that leash off. And now I'm going <laughs> to, here's the thing. And this is what pisses me off on a, on a number of reasons. 
There's no fucking reason this should have ever happened on your watch. And I mean that from a standpoint of an administration and with Pat Fitzgerald. And what pissed me off about the administration is this. You you gave the two-week suspension in the middle of the summer. You're, 50, you're less than 50 days away from the season starting. Where you look at every single turn, what it read to me, and this is an assumption, okay, is that it read very much like the same thing with the, the Roger Goodell stuff, which was, okay, we don't think that anyone else is going to have enough information so we're going to give you this this penalty. This is your penalty is two weeks, because we think that we have our we've covered up tracks. Because if you're telling me that you did an in depth thorough investigation of this as an administration of one of the best fucking universities in all of academics in the entire country, if you're telling me you you did all that, and somehow the investigation by a student newspaper provided more knowledge to something, then we have a whole new set of issues. Because it wasn't thorough enough or you didn't care enough. And what it read like to me was it's it became very much like we don't care about the players. And when you say players, the real word you should be using here is victims. We don't care about the victims. It's just locker room talk. It's boys will be boys. It's what the fuck ever. And all of those things. Because what you've allowed to happen here is sexual assault and something that is scarring, regardless of how we think of it as hazing or not. And like guys and like I said, boys will be boys. It's sexual assault. It doesn't matter if it's a man and a man or a man. Or, it is sexual assault. And I think the thing that pisses me off most, and I know that we have a ton of athletic directors, coaches, and administrators across the country listen to our podcast specifically. So when I say this, I hope that there's at least one pair of ears this falls on. And I, and I mean this because it is so past time for us as like a, as like a society, I feel like, and as a country – just because you don't want to have a conversation about something that's uncomfortable doesn't mean you get to sweep shit under the rug, especially when it comes to domestic violence, when it comes to sexual assault, when it comes to rape, all those kind of things, because it makes you feel uncomfortable and you don't want to deal with it. That doesn't mean you get to let someone else become a victim and go silenced because of you being uncomfortable. It is time for that shit to stop, and it's time for that shit to stop immediately. And I'm so fucking tired of seeing this kind of shit when it's like, you have, especially with the sexual like assault, especially with domestic violence, and you guys have heard me talk about that more than once on this show, I, it just screams to me that like we don't want to have the conversation, so we're not going to allow the conversation to be had. And it really, really bothers me. I think you did good there, Chris. <laughs> and another um, thing. <laughs> and another thing. Um, well, no easy transition here, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I I said in the cold open that we were going to talk about Georgia's huge recruiting class, and I meant size, not not like yeah, they're the number one class, of course, and it's yeah. there's already twenty six players in the class, so it's a huge class already. But just the sheer size of these men, and they are not children; Crazy. they are men. Yeah, uh, Georgia is recruiting on a level that you know is only akin to really what Bama has done over the course of the last decade. Um, and they just absolutely killed it over the July 4th week. Yeah. Where do we start? Yeah. I mean, do you start with a guy, Nair Daniels, who is, this kid is not yet in his senior year of high school yet. Uh, six foot eight, 360 pound offensive tackle. (laughs) It's just so stupid. (laughs) It's like, 
Go and on. then not to be outdone, uh, although that I think he is the largest man in the in the group. The very next day, so that was a, on July seventh, July eighth, Marquise Easley from mm-hmm. Illinois committed. That's another four star offensive tackle, six five and a half, three hundred and thirty five pounds. Presumably sixteen, seventeen yeah. years old. Yeah, and okay. Georgia's a problem. Yeah, so, so here's, here's uh, what I there's another offensive Go tackle ahead. that actually uh, committed from Walton High School right here in uh, Marietta, Georgia. Six, six right. and a half, 365 pounds, Daniel Calhoun. Which is stupid. Um, you know, this doesn't include that, that they already have the number one quarterback, number one corner. They're going to get the number one safety in KJ Bolden out of Buford. Yeah, he's, uh, he's like all but locked up, right? Yeah, there's some Ohio State smoke there, but we'll see. Um, I guess traditionally I didn't know this, but now that I've people have like tuned me into it, I guess Georgia does not recruit Gwinnett County very well, which is like for those that just the high school. Yeah, strange because it's proximity wise is very close. Yeah, but it's also it's not like like Georgia fans, of course, that from what I've seen, and this is on social media, so I'm not saying it's everyone, but there there was like I think when. There was somebody that committed to somewhere else out of Buford not that long ago, and somebody was like, "What are the coaches at Buford telling these kids to not go to Georgia?" It's like, why don't we calm down? Like, it's like because if yeah. there's anything I know about Georgia fans, it's never gonna be their own fault. It's always gonna be something else. And and I like, you know, it, take from that what you will. But like, they are recruiting at a clip that is so terrifying. If you look at the numbers, and I'm trying to, I don't have them in front of me, of course, because I'm unprepared. Um, but Roddy, I think it was, yeah, Roddy, um, yeah, uh, tweeted this the other day and he was talking about just the sheer size of, of what happens, what's happened with this class. And it's, he didn't even give the weight six foot eight, Nair Daniels, six foot eight, Michael Uini, six foot eight, Marcus Harrison, six foot seven, Marcus Eastley, six foot six, Daniel Calhoun, six foot six, Malachi Tolliver. It is a massive massive class and the thing that should be scary and i brought this up a couple weeks ago and i don't think i said it on here but i said it on twitter because i don't think we recorded that week what's terrifying if you are not a georgia fan and is the fact that they got a three-star kid from somewhere who's played football for one year and he's from like nigeria if kirby smart is a defensive lineman if kirby smart is signing a three-star coming off back-to-back national championships, knowing damn well he can get anyone in the country that he wants and is the best defensive coach, has put more people in the league. There's not a reason for you not to go to Georgia right now. There's just not. Like, if you, if you, are, if you are a kid that wants to play elite-level college football, get to the league, and get fucking paid, there's zero reason for you not to go to Athens, Georgia right now. And... The fact that he's getting three stars should terrify everyone because that means Kirby knows something that the rest of us don't. And, and he, cause he doesn't miss. And I mean, it's, it's a guy that I put up that thing in, in April where he had 55 total draft picks in his first seven years. Right. Let's not forget that he only had one his first year. So he did 54 in his last six in the last three years, he's had 34 total draft picks, which is seven more than the next closest coach. He's, he's beating everyone in terms of not just recruiting, not just... And I understand that Bama had the number one class last year. I get that. But in terms of what Kirby is bringing in, 
and then developing, whether it's a five-star. Jordan Davis was a three-star. Eric Stokes was a three-star. Yes. He's routinely put three-star defensive players in the league and put them in the league in the first round. So (laughs) it's terrifying to think of because the size of these kids is enormous. And the commitment that he is he is having to what we know, we say it at nauseum and, and say it to so much to like it's like it's become so cliche. And that is all right, like football games in the SEC are one in the trenches. And this is all he's doing. It's not like they're they're struggling in these areas, Tyler. It's not like and it's not like this is impacting like, oh well, you know, we had to focus on this, so we weren't able to go out and get this. Like it, it, what's scary to me, and I remember when Saban started doing this, and it was like one of the coolest parts of like the beginning of that Saban dynasty was he starts bringing in all these four and five star recruits, and in 2008 especially, you bring in all you bring in the number one class, three five stars, 19 four stars, and I, I remember at the time Auburn was bringing in like a bunch of two and three star athlete type type build kids, and so you separate yourself, right? So separate yourself, and around year four, five, six, seven, you don't. You don't just bring in the five stars. You start bringing in, because you're loaded with five stars everywhere. What he's now doing is bringing in absolute physical freaks and physical anomalies who project so high if their potential is correct. And like, it's it's like he, it's like the fucking Avengers, man. It, it's like, it's like we, we gotta, the front line is going to be all five stars. But behind us? Oh well, that's a three star, but it's a six foot eight, three hundred thirty pound three star that probably runs at like a four six. Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, the the train doesn't seem to be slowing down. Um, I do find it interesting. Pretty much their entire top of their class is from another state outside of Georgia. Um, I don't think it matters as much for Georgia necessarily, but right. like I I've looked at Florida's class because they've done really well lately. All their top guys are from out of state. Like for a program like Florida, who, let's be honest, if they, if they don't make a bowl game this year, how committed is a kid going to be from Texas to yeah. go to Florida after two pretty bad seasons? Um, Georgia, I think they can get away with it, but I also, I hesitate. I, I just, I get a little weird when you start going so much out of state when you have so much great product in state all the time. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing I could say about them right now, and it's really not. How can you complain about having the number one quarterback, even though he's from California? So, oh, he's actually not. He's from he's Buford. Yeah, that's right. I hey, see. Georgia, no, no, no. Georgia gets no, Buford he's not kids. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's from Arizona. No, no, no. He's not the number one quarterback in the country anymore. This, according to two four seven, is he is. I, I know that Julian Sayan had a nice little bump up. Today. Okay. I just, I just think it's. I just listen. I, I'm singing all the praises. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but I do know that when the moment I brought up the elite eleven thing, Georgia fans were like, "What? He's only good at at accuracy stuff." And Dylan Rayola led this many scoring. To, like it, it's gonna be fine either way. Yeah, I think um, both of them are gonna be pretty good. Yeah, I, guess. I, I just. Yes, I would assume so. I, I will say what you brought up about like the Texas thing I think is very interesting specifically because not recruiting the state of Georgia, we've talked about it before on here how it's a little bit odd just because like I think it's six of the top ten this year, seven of the top ten last year went elsewhere. Um, some of the guys that he's kept home, like Malachi Starks, um, who's, who's Michael Williams, I think Nazir Stackhouse, I think that was one of them. 
Um, I know the other two definitely were. Those are guys that are like most likely day one draft picks, right? And also former five stars that, that stayed home. Day one starters as well. So I think that, um, I, well, not whatever. Anyway, like they're, the depth is crazy and he continues to do all the things. There's just, like you said, the train's not slowing down. There's nothing that he's doing that shows me where like the flaws would be. And and we, you and I talked about this off air. If I had a single question to ask for Kirby Smart, I feel like I, I don't know if I want to ask him anything at Media Days next week because last year I asked him the most awkward question and I cringe even thinking about it still because it was such a long-winded question. It was awful. It was so fucking bad. And then I like told myself, I told him I was a Bama fan, which was, there's no reason to do that. It was very weird. No, there's no reason to do that. At all. At all. It was, it was, I, I'm, even now I'm just like, ugh. You, anyway. I think when you get nervous, you just start having like diary of the mouth. You're like, I'm a Bama fan. I lost my virginity at 16. Uh. <laughs> it wasn't 16. Thank you. <laughs> um, my dad doesn't love me. Just like, splitting off all the things. <laughs> my body, um, my choice. Well, yeah. <laughs> what? So, so I, I have, um, I, if I did have to ask him a question, because he, he's just so on top of everything, one of the questions I would ask him is, what is your one fear that you're not doing a good enough job of? Or is there anything? Like, because he, he just seems like he's a guy that has his hand. Like, like if this was whack-a-mole, there's not, there's not even anything to be popping up. I'm not going to tell him that in my question, because that would be also weird now that I've said it out loud. But yeah. I, I just I think he's done such a good job of keeping his his finger on the pulse of every possible fucking thing. I just don't know where the flaws would be of of like even looking down the road three, five, ten years well not ten, three to five years. Yeah, I mean the only thing the only thing that I can think of that you've seen from most Saban assistants is getting burnt out. I like I just yeah. look at a guy like Jimbo Fisher or must champ and they just look burnt out on the sidelines just like they got their hands in too much stuff i think kirby is gonna be fine i'm not saying but like if you're looking at potential if you're an alabama fan just random alabama fan we won't name one we don't we don't know many if you're hoping for some sort of demise for georgia it would be that yeah. kirby gets a little burnt out and he's like you know what i can't take the day-to-day of this because i can only run my program one way and it's me being the leader at the top and I have to have my hands in everything, and I just can't do it anymore. That's the only thing you can hope for yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, all right. So speaking of uh, asking questions at Media Days, you will be there in the flesh in Nashville next week for SEC Media Days. When are you heading up? Um, uh, Sunday. Booked my flight last week. I'll be staying with our good buddy Chris Gordy. Because um, I forgot to book a hotel. Uh, so... <laughs> He offered. Seems important. It's not like a weird thing. But he like he's got like two beds. Um we're gonna put It'd him be together. weird if he had one. Yeah, it would be very weird if he had one. Um <laughs> especially when I took both keys and kicked him out and then let him back in the room. So um no, it should be fun. I'm going up there. I, I have like I I haven't been in Asheville in like fuck, like maybe ten years. Like I I'll tell you what, uh, Chuck Dunlap, if he's listening right now, love you to death, Chuck. Thank you for credentialing me. But if you think I am not wearing my birthday tiara or my bachelorette bride to be sash in Nashville, you're wrong. Everyone else does. It is just a giant fucking bachelorette party. There's I can't there's just so many EIGH names just rummaging through the streets. Streets. Yeah. <laughs> Street. Um 
That's right. So, yeah, I don't, I, I haven't been in a while. I'm excited. I, you know, I, I haven't thought of like questions I'm going to ask yet. I feel like there's a lot on my shoulders because of how good I did last year. I don't know what to do this year, so I need your help. So right off the bat, Monday, you've got LSU and Brian Kelly, which was your shining moment last year. Uh, you've got Missouri's sure, Eli sure. Drinkwitz and Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher. Um, alongside them, uh, Brian Kelly's bringing Jaden Daniels, obviously senior QB. But Jimbo Fisher's day one. Day one. Uh, Jaden Daniels, Josh Williams, Makai Wingo. Uh, Missouri's bringing, a, I don't know, O-lineman, D-lineman, Javon Foster, Darius Robinson, Chris Abrams-Drain. He's good. And then Texas A&M is bringing Fidel Diggs, McKinley Jackson, uh, and Anaya Smith. Interesting on McKinley Jackson. Didn't he get kicked off the team briefly last year? I don't or know. But he, here's kid. my biggest takeaway from that day one. I know all the coaches. I know two of the players. Yeah. Jaden Daniels and Anaya Smith. Bookended in that. Like, I don't want to be that, a that, It really pisses me off. I, I, I hate when... It's supposed to be a star power event. Don't bring the backup tight end because he's well spoken and wants to say something dumb. A fucking punter, and he's not even Australian. I don't think Ugh. I didn't do my research yet. His name is Kai, so I think there's like a fifty-four percent chance that he's Australian. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. What's his last? What's his full name? Kai what? Kai Kai uh, Kroger. I not sp- not spelled exactly like the the grocery store. Can I, I cry? No, that was bad. Hey, Kai. Uh, Tuesday, you've got uh, Auburn and Georgia plus Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. Um, key people there bringing for Auburn. Auburn is bringing Luke Deal, senior tight end, Elijah McAllister, senior linebacker, Cameron Stutz, senior O-lineman. Don't know any of those guys. Stutz. Now, Georgia is bringing tight end uh, Brock Bowers and Kamari Lassiter and Cedric Van Prant. So they are bringing the star power there for Georgia. Good on you, Kirby yeah. Smart. Would have loved to see Carson back there. So well, that tips the hand. hand. That tips the hand. If he, if Carson Beck was there, I will tell you the one question I would 1,000% ask is I would say, without fail, hey, Carson, not trying to be weird or anything, but... I'm going to say you something have, weird. You obviously didn't see the Snapchat that he sent. Oh, I did. <laughs> I did. Uh, Wednesday, July 19th, you've got Bama and Nick Saban, Arkansas, Woo! Florida with Billy Napier, and Kentucky with Mark Stoops. Bama is bringing J.C. Latham, Kool-Aid McKintree, and Dallas Turner. Nice little lineup there. Arkansas yeah. is bringing Landon Jackson, K.J. Jefferson, Raheem Sanders. Good on you, Sam Pittman there. Florida, yeah. Kingsley, Egwaquan. Jason Marshall and Ricky Pearsall. Uh, and Kentucky is bringing Eli Cox, Octavius Oxidine, and JJ Weaver. Any, are you going to try to ask uh, Saban any questions on thir- on Thursday or on no. Wednesday? I'll talk to Kristen this week and see if there's anything that's like funny that I could bring up. He, I just like, I tell you what, and I, I don't think I've told you guys this on the pod, but like, there's like over the years that her and I have been like really good friends, I'm really funny, Tyler. Like I'm, I'm a really funny person. I think everyone knows that. I agree. I, I would agree with that. He's never laughed at a single joke she has told him that was related to him. Not once. Yeah, not once. And not because I wouldn't. Yeah, but it's it's probably like she's probably not saying it right. You know. 
I don't know if that's the issue. <laughs> but like, cause she'll, she'll like, there's been times where she's like, sent me a pic of his response and he's like, okay. Okay. We're done. <laughs> um, I don't know what I'll ask him yet. I'm going to need your help with this. Okay. All right. We'll come up with some stuff. Uh, and then the final day, Thursday, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, South Carolina, Shane that's Beamer, and Tennessee's Josh Heupel. That's a that's a I like that day. That's gonna be a good day. You got that's two. A good day. The last day, everybody's you know gonna need to pick me up. Nothing better than having Lane Kiffin and Shane Beamer. Uh, Ole Miss bringing Quinchon Judkins, DeAndre Prince, Cedric Johnson, South nice. Carolina, Tonka Hemingway, Kai Kroger, Spencer Rattler. That's pretty. Alive, and Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee is bringing Joe Milton, Jacob Warren, and Amari Thomas. Oh, so, Kai I'm excited. I wish I could go. You can't go. I'm thinking next year. I'm thinking next year. I'll I'll definitely be able to go. I wish you would just go up there on Thursday, since I'm going to be too hungover to. I'm just kidding. In case the bosses are listening, I will be there. It'll be fine. I just realized though. You, I don't think he'll. You'd send me in on my own with Lane. You just like sit up on the stage with him. Hey, Lane. Just like like they take the podium and you just hold your hand up. But it'd be awesome if you took the mic and just like walked it up to him and were like, "Hold my hand, Lane. Let's talk." Hey, <laughs> I'm scared. Um. Anyway, no, it should be a lot of fun. I'm excited for that. Um. All right, listen. So kind of so slow time. I want to close this out the show with something that hit me today. We're gonna do two. We're not gonna do this segment until next week. We're gonna do a segment okay. next week of guys who have that dog in them. Okay. Okay. Because there's this person that has been sending this as their only suggestion, pretty much <laughs> in how they evaluate every single person. I think they come in contact with on a daily basis. Um, it's I'm not bad, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's mainly all right. So, what segment are we doing now then? Okay. Uh, things we're not talking enough about. Yes. Okay, and here's why. There's like several. We threw we threw some this. questions out there on Twitter, so we so we got some response there. So let's talk about it. And I wrote some down too, just for myself, from each conference, uh, or from a couple conferences and stuff like that. Things that I think we're not talking enough about right off the bat. Like, what do you, what are there any that come to mind for you? There's one, but I don't want to say it yet, only because it pains me to actually have to admit it. I can do it if you Clemson's want. Win the natty? No, uh, Florida State really didn't beat anybody last year. So let's just cool the Jets a little bit. When I opened the my Phil Steele today, the very first page it opened up to was Florida State. Love that. That's a good sign. Uh, no, they beat they beat LSU, which was a great win, but it was the very beginning of the Brian Kelly era, and there were LSU played a sloppy game. Now, granted, I think Florida State got a lot better from last year as well, throughout the year and going into this year. But I think LSU is going to be a lot better. Harold Perkins uh, will actually be utilized. He wasn't utilized much in that game. Mason Smith towards ACL on like the second drive. Um, but you know, look you you had a good successful season for what you've been, but you also had a stretch where you played Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson, and lost all of them. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, it was great beating your rivals, but Florida and Miami weren't great last year, and you barely beat Florida. And you beat 
uh, a pretty beat up Oklahoma team in the bowl game. So I think we're not talking enough about, we're talking a lot about the Knowles right now, but we're not talking enough about how they haven't really beat anyone of significance yet. Yeah, that's fair. Um, before we get into the audience ones, I'll tell you the ones I have. Phil Longo is the OC at Wisconsin. We're not, we're not making enough about that. That guy has put up numbers, elite offensive numbers everywhere he's been. And that's such, such a, a traditional offense for a, a Wisconsin program. That part, it does make me a little bit uncomfortable. Like, I don't think they're going to have because the players is, this year to be able to match what his offense does. Right. That's fair. Yeah, but I agree. That's, that's, that's a, that's, I agree. He is one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. But also think about this. Like, it's not like the places he's been, it's not like he was like Jordan Tommy was good. I mean, he had some receivers and some dudes at Ole Miss, but it wasn't like they were like these, like, like, I don't yeah, think Drake freaks. May was like a five star QB or anything like that. Anyway, um, things we're not talking enough about. I mean, Drake returning May eight starters. Was, I've mentioned so. several times. But we're not talking enough about that, about them returning. Off what was the top five defense in the SEC last year, okay? Um, I just wrote down Blake Corum. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, and, and like really, probably you could make the case he would have won the Heisman last year. Yeah, he, he got injured late. Through a Big Ten championship. Yeah, he had like over, I think he had 19 touchdowns in 11 games. Yeah. Off of like stupid. a really good offense. They would have been 13-0 going into the, the Heisman, um, all that kind of stuff. So I have him down. Tennessee, I'll, I'll give you a twofold here, okay? And I'll be absolutely honest about this. This is me trying to talk myself into believing in one of these teams and not believing in the other. Do you know what Tennessee's turnover margin was a year ago? I do not. Plus 11, Tyler. Okay. Plus that's, 11. It's pretty good. Hard to replicate that in two years. And I say that especially about Tennessee, who... It was the highest they've had in 14 seasons. Not only that, they were actually negative in their turnover margin in five of their last six seasons before that. Hmm. So, I think having plus 11 into your turnover margin did wonders for you last year. You know who was at a low in their, um, in their turnover margin uh, in the lowest in their last nine years? Florida. Alabama. Ooh. At plus two. And so they only had, they were plus two in their turnover margin, and they only had seven interceptions. And why that's important, Tyler, is because the two, the plus two turnover margin is their lowest in nine years, and they were plus 10 in six of their previous seven, seven averaging over 11 per season in those seven years. Uh, they also had seven interceptions total on the year. It's the only time they've had single-digit interceptions in the last 14 seasons under Nick Saban. The only Lost time. fumbles is a total luck factor. Sure. Okay. No, it is. Like, but no, what I'm saying, you, if they didn't have a lot of interceptions, you're saying they threw only seven no, no. or they Alabama had seven? They only had seven interceptions as a defense okay. last year. Now, and the reason why okay. that's important, they gave up, the second fewest passing touchdowns in the SEC. And you want to know what they're, they're – they, you know how many they gave up total? This is going to blow your mind, okay? On the season, in 13 games, because everyone assumes that this defense was so bad because of the Tennessee game. And that's and I will, I will believe that for a very long time. Because Jalen Hyatt. 
You know how many they gave up to J- they gave to, they gave up five to Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, you know how many they gave up in the whole year? Yeah. No. You know how many they gave up in the rest of the year? I do not. Seven. Hmm. Tennessee threw for three hundred eighty-five yards on Bama that day. You know what their pat their average yards per attempt was for opposing quarterbacks in in games last year? I do not. Five point seven. It's not good. So no, it's very good. It was the third. For, it's not good for the quarterback. Right. So I think that the 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 numbers are there. The tools are in place. I think the defense is going to bounce back. Now, I got one for you. Go ahead. Saw this on Twitter. Uh, Colin Wilson, you know him from the Action Network. He's got his power ratings. Oh, and, I love Colin. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like his content a lot. He he put out uh, for his schedule based on his power ratings what teams were favored in the most games mm-hmm. you know who was favored in all 12 games that nobody's talking about at all louisville really they have you've been talking about it yes they have brett brom as their or one of the brahms as their new the purdue ex purdue coach yeah. former louisville uh quarterback they miss both Florida State and Clemson in the ACC this year. Uh, wow. Their schedule is, for the most part, a complete joke. Listen to this. At Georgia Tech, Murray State, at Indiana, Boston College, at NC State versus Notre Dame at home, at Pitt, Duke, Virginia Tech, Virginia, at Miami, and then closing with Kentucky. His power ratings has them favored in every single one of those games. So let's just oh. pump the brakes a little bit on a pretty much lock to be Florida State Clemson in the ACC championship game because they do have to play each other and Louisville doesn't have to play either one. There you go. Okay. I like that. I like that. Um, hold on. Sorry. This is, this is the dog person. Um, all right. Let me pull up. Uh, shit. Sorry, guys. All right, let me pull up the, the things from the the question we like. You have you have it in front of you on Twitter? I don't. I'll pull it up. Okay. Well you pull that up and I'll pull up all the ones we have from Instagram. Okay. Um and there were some good ones in there. I was actually really excited about this because some of I I thought this was gonna turn into if we're being honest, I thought this was gonna turn into a bunch of Georgia fans saying a bunch of dumb shit like, we're not talking about the dogs enough. And <laughs> that did happen for sure. Uh yeah. but some of the other ones that we had here, I'll, I'll start going through them. Um, this is one that I think is really good. How Auburn is going to be better than expectations. Now, I did some research on this. This is from our buddy Caleb Brunn on Instagram. And I want to get into this one first, Tyler. We can choose three to five. Here's, here's something I don't think we're talking enough about. And that is the fact that Hugh Freeze, how quickly he's been able to turn things around wherever he's been. You look at the numbers that he had at Arkansas State and at Ole Miss as a first-year head coach. Did you know that at Ole Miss, in their previous two seasons, they had two, two consecutive losing seasons before he was the head coach. They went 1-15 combined against the SEC in those two years. They actually had a losing record in six of the previous eight years total before Hugh Freeze came to Oxford. First year he was there, they went seven and six. They win the Egg Bowl. They win three games in the conference. They go to a bowl game. Every year except for his last one, he was fired. They they had a winning record. And he actually increased the win total every single year as well, going from six to eight to nine to ten. Um, wow. That tenth 
That 10th one is only the second 10-win season Ole Miss had had in their previous 40 years combined. He did it in year three. Okay? So if that doesn't tell you right off the bat how important that is, I, I think that's that's one. Even more impressive, what he did at Arkansas State in year one. Okay? And I'm, I know that Auburn's not Arkansas State. But there's not a better example of being able to have a quick turnaround for a head coach and him, I think, being the right guy at Auburn than what I'm about to tell you. And that is that Arkansas State, the first year under Hugh Freeze, was 10-3. and three. Ooh. Do you want to guess how many winning seasons Arkansas State had in the previous 15 years? One. Zero. Damn it, I was going to say that. You were so close. I know. They actually only had one. They actually only had one in the 23 years combined before he got to Arkansas State. And that was in 1995 when they went a blistering, red hot six and five. I think that Hugh Freeze is going to do really well at Auburn in general. I've said this before. I hate saying it because you know my, my ties and my allegiance to fandom. But I think there's a couple of programs that have a really good opportunity to kind of change the narrative and switch and change the momentum a little bit and redirect it in their own favor, who are rivals of Alabama, with Saban most likely being on his way out in the next three to five years, and then a place like Auburn, because it can see some of the stuff they're able to do. But Auburn specifically, I think they're in a really good place with you, especially with they've, they've been able to do recruiting. It'll be really interesting. I think that we're not talking enough about how good they're going to be in year one. I like that. A uh, little bit off the beaten path here, but I do like the stat. This is from uh, at Lance Daw on Twitter. UConn is top 10 in returning production and is currently projected to go 5-7 and seven by ESPN FPI. The Huskies could very well be bowling in back-to-back seasons for the first time since 2009-2010. Yeah. That's Interesting. Lance Daw. Didn't know that. I'll have to look, I'll have to look more into that. Um, well, at, 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 well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say Mike Toscano, Ghost Mike, um, on on Twitter, uh, our good buddy. I, you told, I told you the story after the, the – he's a big UConn fan. And I don't know if you remember seeing the signs at the College Basketball National Championship that people were holding up behind Charles Barkley that said Milkman. I don't remember that specifically, but – He's the Milkman. He he's one of our man. longest listeners, um, longtime listener, and he, he like, drinks milk as a celebration – after games and stuff interesting like that. did this guy just hit 41 fucking home runs in one round he did uh um at blake Braddy on twitter i like this one will football eventually be a seven day a week sport we're not talking about that enough i think it will be it's already, it already like it already almost is you've got sunday night football uh monday night football then when the max starts going maction they're on tuesdays Right, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. There's a there's a time in late October to to Thanksgiving week where I think the Wednesday of Thanksgiving becomes the first day we have without football of some sort in a span of like forty days. Wow. We get Maction Tuesday, Wednesday. We get college and NFL on Thursday, college on Friday, and then obviously Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It's awesome. It's like the best time of year. It's like when the leaves are changing. It's beautiful. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, I like that one. That was good. One more. 
Yeah, I'll get you another one here. We have from our Instagram. This has been a good show. Um, let's see. People say Joe Milton. I don't really like that one as much. I feel like we're talking too much about Joe Milton. He needs to prove it. Completely to me. agree. Completely agree. <clears throat> um, somebody said how impressive Zach Arnett's first year has been. I don't know about that as much, just because yeah. I don't feel like he's. Really I'm not, made and it. I also, to truth be told, I've not been following Mississippi State's off season as closely as some others. Yeah. Uh, Ethan Nelson said, how stupid your posts are. <laughs> Fair. We're not talking about it. Pretty good, man. We're being pretty good. <laughs> um, you, okay, real quick. You know that my account, like we did, we did do this. We, I haven't told you this yet. Cause we haven't done it for our CFP uncensored one. We're pulling numbers together for our, uh, our, what do you call it? Um, for pitching stuff to sponsors. And we're actually going to meet with a sponsor to film some stuff. I haven't told you this yet either in Nashville next <laughs> week. Um, I didn't know. I just found out. So, um, okay. Okay. Be a lot of fun. but we did like, I think the company did around 7.7 million views on, on Twitter for the month of June. Holy moly. You know that I did 3.1 million on my own last week. Let's go. Boom. I'm fired up, man. It's like, it just feels like all the things are going really well for us right now. And I'm just, I'm like, I, I know that I, I like to celebrate the wins. I just, I think, I feel like things for me have just really turned around. I'm very excited about where we're headed, man. That's all I'm going to say. Um, okay. Here you go. Here is the last one we'll do. Rocket Sanders being the best running back. I don't, let's do this one. Bobby Petrino's potential impact on Texas A&M season. And I feel like we've kind of talked about it to an extent, but I, I don't know if we are ready for the talk about A&M being a contender, because I think that they might what? be. I no. Like, listen, hear me out. Uh, just hear me out. I know you hate Jimbo, so I knew I shouldn't have brought this up. But, like, Phil still has A&M as a top 11 or 12 team in the country, right? And he's been always wildly accurate. But look at the talent they have on that team. Anaya Smith coming back with Evan Stewart at receiver, who could be the best receiver in the SEC. Yeah. Am I wrong about that? No. I mean, no, you're not wrong. Okay. And then you, you have a, a former five-star quarterback who did really well in his starts last year. Outside of that Auburn game, you look at what Wigman was able to do. I, I mean, it was, like, pretty crazy impressive when they finally started putting him in the games. Um, then you start thinking about this, and, and I hate to say, but what really got me thinking about it was, was the Ryan Mallett stuff. But some of those teams that Bobby Petrino had in his early years at Arkansas, 2009 – 2010, 2011, 2012. I mean, those were some of the best teams in the country that we just forgot about because of how good Bama and LSU were in 2011. And then in 2012, how good LSU, Georgia, A&M, Bama all were, um, South Carolina at the end of the season. But, but I just, I want to throw this out there. You know what that, you know what he's going to try to do with that offense, right? What's he going to try like, to do? I don't know. I mean, he, he's going to spread around. He's going to be a little bit. I mean, I think I know. <laughs> um, before the Ole Miss game, right? Before the Ole Miss game, which there was only a three-point loss. So this is the last five games of the year. The offense had not gained over 400 yards of offense against a Division One opponent all season. They were averaging, I think, um, they had like, they weren't even close, really. Like, hardly at any point. Uh, 480. 413, you go to Auburn, you only have 215. 
398 and 429. You want to look what they did through the air, which was, I think, the biggest thing for them. And that was once Connor Wegman started uh, those games, he came in at the second half of the season. And I thought, in my opinion, outside the Auburn game again, he was pretty lights out. 338 yards. Never mind, he wasn't. I'm wrong. Uh, eight touchdowns and no interceptions. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Now, look, it, he's got pedigree. He was a true freshman last year, so let's give him a pretty, I would say, a pass. And, and I don't think yeah. things were going great for A&M when he came in. But he's a five-star QB out of high school. Um, mm-hmm. He's got a lot of a lot of buzz. So I, I just don't – I think contender is a little strong. Um, okay. All right, man. Well, this, has been the, this is the end of the show. It's been a great show. Uh, as always, we really appreciate you all listening to the show. It would really help, help us and the growth of the show if you would rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a review. Um, got one. Just like JSTAR7313 did – uh, he says, great podcast, five stars. I listened to SDS podcast for years and was sad when Uncle Chris left. Glad he came back. Tyler is great as well and adds a lot of insight to the show. The duo is awesome. I still listen to SDS as well, but it's not the same without Chris. Connor still does a fantastic job with it. So we appreciate the five star and the love on the review. Uh, go like and subscribe our YouTube page. Don't forget to check out the SDS podcast weekly with Connor O'Gara. And check out all of our videos and clips from the show. At, at Down South on Twitter, at Saturday Down South on Instagram and TikTok, and at Saturday Down South One on YouTube. We appreciate you listening as always. For Chris, I'm Tyler. Make sure, we'll s- also, real quick, make sure you pick up, go follow Tyler on, on Twitter at Tyler Huck. Follow me, Vern Funquist, and then also go pick up the preseason magazine from me and our, our friend Dogstats, uh, Josh Hancher, at dogstats.com as well. And I know you're trying to do the ending and be all professional. I just got to say one more time. I'm just really fucking excited for this season. And I think that this is going to be the best year we've had so far. I'm super pumped. And I'll tell you what. I'm going to say this last but not least. Okay, Tyler? Okay. When those fucking dogs were taken away and I lost chips and queso, do you remember what year it was? 2020? It was 2021. 2021. Wow. It's almost, like I said, it's almost two years to the day that all that happened. And I know I said this the other day on, on social media, and I really did mean it, where it felt like my whole life fell apart, and I kind of feel like all the pieces are finally back in place, for the like, like genuinely. But just remember, when Chris Marler owns a Corgi, Alabama won a fucking national championship. Oh, God. Okay? The, the streak is over. That's the, the end. The drought is over. The all rain right. now begins. Everyone have a great week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>